0: Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Little Left of Center, the podcast that interviews culture changers that are reshaping our world and breaking new ground. Have you ever thought about what happens to all the extra food that restaurants have at the end of the day? Jasmine Crow is the dynamic founder and CEO of the skyrocketing blockchain technology startup called Gooder. Jasmine took a seemingly insurmountable problem for Americans who experience hunger and figured out how to make a social, economic, and environmental impact using technology. I truly cannot get over how creatively inventive and tenacious Jasmine is and has great advice for people looking to make a big impact. Enjoy the show. So I'm so excited. Um, I almost fell over and like fangirled out on you when you were (laughs) walking up to my place. Um, But we're here with Jasmine Crow of Gooder. And Gooder is, I'm going to say this wrong, it is a technology-based food waste management company
1: you said it right did i, mean, I? That's good
0: okay and um i've had multiple people say you have got to interview jasmine so we we're able to coordinate something it took a little while um, for us to coordinate schedules but i'm really grateful that you're here because uh, i have just kind of um, immersed myself in in studying what you've done and i am so Unbelievably impressed and um, excited to talk more about it for a lot of reasons. So, you know, as you know, Little Left of Center is interviewing culture changers. So, the people whose work, you know, breaks convention and changes how we live. And I think you're doing incredibly important things. So, please tell me, tell me about you. Tell me about Gooder. Well,
1: Gooder is, as you said, we are a tech enabled food waste management company and we are leveraging technology to combat hunger and reduce food waste and I've been working on it since late 2016. I officially launched it in January of 2017 and it's been a whirlwind but a journey to doing a lot of good.
0: Yeah so I was listening to your TED talk today and I had chills and I'm like this is a girl that is doing it. And one of the things, and we'll, we'll kind of get into your story, but one of the things that I notice when I drive around Atlanta is that there's so many homeless encampments, and it, it seems to be growing where people are asking for food, they're mm-hmm. asking for money, and it is all around you. And usually when you see, see problems like that, to me, they seem insurmountable. And for you, you figured out a way. And so I'm, I'm really
1: interested to learn how that idea came to you. Yeah. You know, I started feeding people, as you probably know, from the TED talk in about 2013. And it was I really and truly I get the question all the time, like, what made you start doing that? Or why, you know, were you hungry when you were growing up or did your parents feed the homeless or whatever? And I was like, no, like I really just felt called in that moment to go home and figure out a way to give back and i didn't have a lot of money i was thinking what could i do and so i you know made this spaghetti dinner posted it on facebook and got people to come out there and feed people with me and it's you know it grew from there where i started doing it every two weeks and then it just it was more of like a passion but more more so of a purpose so it was like mm. passion and purpose kind of meeting together and i think that's really what got me started on it what were you doing for work back then so i had a company called bcg and i would work with celebrities And I would help them start their nonprofit organizations. I would do their fundraising, help them find their board members, train their board members, actually develop all their programming, executing all their programming. And what I realized is that they were very much seasonal givers. I mean, they had the right heart, but it was like, hey, we're going to do this for Thanksgiving or we're going to do this for Christmas. And I would say to them, the same people that are outside in line for a turkey in november are going to be hungry in a week or two like it's not Mm -hmm. just like we're just only hungry at thanksgiving and i felt like a lot of times it would fall on like deaf ears and i got it it was they were busy they were celebrities they had other things that they were doing so they couldn't just feed people every day Mm -hmm. and that's what got me kind of doing my own feeding initiative
0: so do you know who sean king is
1: yeah, the so, activist. Yeah, yeah, so he's like
0: the leader of... One of the leaders of the Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And he's really um, very clear on how do you start a movement. Mm-hmm. And so he has it... How do you have a successful movement? And kind of broken down in four parts. So one is energize people. Mm-hmm. The second is to... um is uh, is you have to be deeply, deeply organized. Yeah. And the third is you have to um, you have to have a plan as complicated and or complex. Yeah. As the problem. Okay. And the fourth thing is you need resources and money. Yeah. And so when I'm thinking of how you were able to pull together or have a vision, how did you get a vision for how to accomplish what you're doing today?
1: Well. That's such a good question. How did I get the vision for it? I think, you know, the video for one of my pop-up restaurants that I was doing for members of our community that were experiencing homelessness, it went viral on Facebook. And I woke up one morning to like 10,000 friend requests. I swear I still have thousands of friend requests now. I've never went through them like three years later. I just haven't had a chance to go through all those friend requests and a lot of messages. And so this video that one of my volunteers had taken, it was a 15 second video. It was almost like a slideshow with Mm -hmm. music. It had went viral and I was reading through the comments and people were like, this is so amazing. Which restaurants donated the food? And the reality was nobody. I was couponing. I was price matching. I was going to all these different grocery stores and i always say i'm the reason walmart doesn't price match anymore because i used <laughs> to be that person that would have all the ads and yeah. you know they used to hate to see me come just thinking about it's so funny and when these random people that i didn't know they were like who's donating the food i was like wow that is such a good idea mm. like why am i doing this the hard way when someone could potentially be donating this food to us to give to people that were in need and at the same time, I come home like three days later, I get a text message from a friend. It's like, use my Uber Eats code and get $10 off your mm-hmm. first order. And I started thinking like, wow, we're creating all of these technology companies to solve problems for people that really don't have them. Like if we're really hungry for years, we have found a way to go and get food. People that have the means, we just would walk you know, to a restaurant, we drive there, we order delivery from restaurants that delivered, but we hadn't figured out a way to get food to like the millions of people that never know where their next meal Mm -hmm. is coming from. And that's when I started thinking like, hey, it would be really cool if we can have an Uber Eats kind of company in reverse that would go to these same businesses, get this food and get it to people in need. And going back to your kind of four points from Sean King, I didn't have the resources. I certainly didn't have the money, but I did have people that were energized around what I was trying to do. And I think that's because I was doing the work for mm-hmm. so many years before I ever thought of this could be a company, this could be a, a big business. It was like, hey, I can solve a real problem here. And I think that's that was like the first thing that I had.
0: How were you able to get... Like the point A to point B of how how does technology solve the problem? How were you able to put
1: all those pieces together? That was like a lot of learning for me because mm-hmm. I was I'm not a technical founder. You know, I'm more of a business strategy, vision, go to market kind of founder. And I did a lot of research and I read a lot and I would go to hackathons and I would talk to engineers and talk to UX/UI people. And through those early stages of when I first had the idea. Um, A lot of people were like, oh, I don't think it's going to work. It's not scalable. Mm -hmm. You can't take that to the market. And I started thinking like, oh, they're right, because I didn't know. And then eventually I decided that it, it could work. Like if, you know, we're letting people we've never met before pick us up and drop us off at our houses, we could do the same thing. Like we could get food. People meet their husbands And wives online. You said you saw me talking about this. Yeah, look, yeah, right. (laughs) So it's like if we could use technology for these things, surely we could use technology to kind of get food to people in need. And so I literally remember going through this design thinking workshop um, at Atlanta Tech Village, Mm -hmm. and by myself. You know, I didn't have a team, and I really would write out like who the people were, like stick figures because I can't draw so very much like these user personas who was going to be the person that donated the food who would pick it up who would it go to like and I would write all these people out and just kind of writing out this process when it was literally just a vision and I want to find that (laughs) that design thinking sheet because I remember that day and one of my mentors when we had the grand opening at the gooder office he shared that story and it was just so it was like amazing for me to hear he was like I remember uh we had this design thinking workshop and Jasmine, this is before Gooder ever had a name. He was like she was just over there by herself, team of one, you know, doing mm-hmm. this whole design thinking exercise of like what Gooder was gonna be. And and I had forgot about that and I was like, I sure was. Like, you know, it was just really myself and just I had to think through it. I think a lot of people will have really great ideas but lack mm-hmm. the execution and I made a to-do list. Like this is, you know, step one, step two. Yeah. This is the name. This is, you know, this is get the Facebook page. Like all these things I just started working on. Um, Did you feel like something was driving you? Like, what do you look to? Did
0: you have a spiritual background or something in your gut where you said, keep going? Yeah. Because it sounds like you were at the point of just maybe this isn't it. Oh, Definitely. Yeah, I think but there how are a do you look at the people in their faces and say, wait, I think I can help you? You know, yeah. like
1: what, what did that fork in the road look like for you? I think the fork in the road for me is when I found out that one of my good friends was experiencing hunger. I think that was like, you know what, you got to do this, like no matter what. Mm-hmm. And it was like an eye opener for me because I can't tell you how many times she had been out on the streets, you know, feeding people with me and was going home for, I don't know how long without food in her house. Mm. And she was pregnant at the time. And I visited her and, you know, we're catching up in the kitchen. She offers me some water. I I noticed that her refrigerator was empty and she turns around and she's like, she burst into tears. And she was like, I know what you're thinking. I always try and keep meals and snacks in the house for my son, you know? And she was like, a lot of times we just don't have the money to. And I just remember being so shocked in that moment. Like, oh my God, my gosh, like this is my college educated, you know, well-traveled married friend that doesn't have food in her house. And that's when I thought all the times I've fed on the street, every person that I've fed that was maybe experiencing homelessness, it's deeper than that. Mm. Like it's time to go and get food to real people because people were experiencing hunger. And I think that was really kind of like the driving force. And from the day that that happened, I remember taking her to my house at the time and like, going grocery shopping in my own refrigerator for her from the day that that happened I think that's when I've been really focused on it that's when it was like serious to me because the reality is I realized then it could happen to anybody
0: where is she today
1: she's doing great she's back I mean she was she was a creator
0: does she feel kind of like a celebrity
1: (laughs) I never say her her story (laughs) yeah she's I, I definitely when I was doing my TED talk I messaged her well you know I called her and she asked her husband and I said is it okay Mm because you know that story really that day it just changed my life and she was like yeah so but I never say her name I never say her kids names but she's doing good she had um she had been living in New York and had a really great career there. And when she just got to Atlanta, it just was hard to pick back up because in the creative industry, it's not so much like a job where you're transferring to like another role. Mm-hmm. You have to come in, you have to build your clientele, and you have to, you know, become getting on movie sets and meet directors mm-hmm. and you know key makeup artists for different sets. And and it's starting over, and that's yeah. what happened. She had to start over, and during that time they went from two incomes to one mm-hmm. with another kid coming. Mm. Yeah. So it was just a tough time.
0: So do you know who Arlen Hamilton is? Yeah, definitely. I know Arlene. Oh, she's one of my friends. Woman. Yeah. She's super oh, dope. I love this woman. So I, I looked on Crunchbase and saw that Gooder. I don't know if it's accurate or not, but raised $1.1 $1. $1 million with a company who started theoretically two years ago. Yeah. And, um and then had some undisclosed funding. um And, 2% of VC money goes to female owned businesses. Yeah. Which and is half of that for a woman of color.
1: Less than half of that. For so, of color, yeah. like, so hell like, yes, girl. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a celebration. Please it was definitely keep a celebration. Down that yeah. door,
0: but how did you do that? What was it like um, it was
1: so going hard. through
0: pitching and, you know, probably hearing no a lot? Like, a how, lot. what did you, what was the learning curve like
1: there? What was it like? It was a heck of a curve. I mean, just thinking about fundraising kind of even now just gives me like the, the chills. Cause it was so hard and it would be, you know, you would pour your heart and soul out to these business, you know, investors. And the reality is like investors typically like to invest in businesses that they could either relate to mm-hmm. or that they could see themselves using. And then they like to invest in people that they could relate to. So I can tell you, I had no investor meetings with anyone that was a black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, And so that was hard, you know, like no one ever looked like me. And then when I would talk about my friend's story, I would talk about feeding the homeless. No one had ever done those things. Mm -hmm. So they had never known anyone that was experiencing hunger. They had never fed anyone on the streets that was experiencing hunger. And so I was trying to kind of craft these pitches, like what is it going to be that they're going to understand? And so I really, really talked more about food waste. Unfortunately, right, it was more about Let me tell you about the problem of food waste and how this is a really global issue that all these businesses are saying by 2030, we're going to cut our waste in half. We're going to be more sustainable. Global climate change is happening. And I want it to really tie into what food waste was doing to the world mm. from an environmental standpoint. And that so was walk often, through what that is, because I, it's I, I terrible.
0: Don't, yeah, it's unbelievable. Some of the statistics please share. So what do you know,
1: yeah, so 27% of everything in our landfills today is food. So that's the largest single source of anything that's in landfills. And that's a 50% increase from 40 years ago. So it's a lot of food that's just sitting in landfills do you think it's just an american thing of having huge portions of everything absolutely i mean it's uh when i talk to event managers um at convention centers they'll say things like yeah you know the meeting planner will tell me if we run out of anything like it's you know we're gonna be fired like they'll Mm -hmm. never hire us again so it's like we think if there's not if there's only one scoop of mashed potatoes, and we don't want that. So we want like the fresh pan or we want like the full pan, it's just, it's theoretically just how we think you Mm. know a lot of people are like that my dad is notorious for like he's not eating an ugly fruit and vegetable and Mm -hmm. I'll say to him dad like by the time you cut that tomato up and put it on your burger or anything else it doesn't matter if it has a dent on it but it's just how we've been trained in Mm -hmm. society like we're gonna go into a grocery store we're expecting to see our entire produce section is full and if there's just a few things left our immediate assumption is something's wrong with those Mm -hmm. and we don't touch them and they start to go to waste. So I think it has a lot to do with society. But what this food waste does is as it sits, it rots, and it produces methane gas, Mm -hmm. which is the number two contributor to global climate change. So food waste has to be reduced in order to stop that. I mean, last July, last month, um, it was the hottest record on month since 1801. Mm -hmm. Hottest month on record across the world. So that just lets you know what global climate change is happening. You're seeing Brazil right now where you have a a huge rainforest, which is like, I think of Brazil and I think of the Amazon, I think of the rainforest and to see that that's burning right now. Mm. And all these things are happening, and it's like food waste is a big part of that. But beyond that, it's like, why are we throwing away perfectly good food? Mm-hmm. And we throw away a lot of perfectly good food.
0: Yeah, even in our house, like my husband hates eating leftovers, so he has weird issues with yeah. that too. Um, and uh, please tell me how it works. So it's through blockchain, but it's mm-hmm. not Bitcoin,
1: definitely. Not. <laughs> yeah. So
0: how does this how does this work? It's a real time food app. Yeah. Okay, so
1: it's kind of like um, uh, it's, walk it's me like through a restaurant. Yeah, walk me so, through a restaurant that might uh, use your service. So think of us as like an Uber Eats or Postmates, DoorDash, simply in reverse. We inventory everything it is that that business sells, and we have a very easy user experience. So that at the end of the night, when that restaurant is closing, they're literally clicking on their menu items, telling us how many quantity they have, and then requesting. Requesting a pickup and then we leverage our network of logistics providers in some cases our own do-gooders our own drivers our own vehicle And we go pick that food up. We get it delivered to a nonprofit typically within a three to five mile radius Mm. We try and keep it as close as possible in places like Atlanta LA where the traffic is insane Yeah, and then it gets to the nonprofit the nonprofit signs for it like they would a UPS package And then a donation letter is auto-generated into our customers platform and our customer is that restaurant that's. Donating the food, our end user is the nonprofit. So they write it off; they can write it off or um, tax credits. And that's why the blockchain is important because now we have a hyper ledger that shows that every every single time food was requested for donation, when Gooder recovered it, and when that nonprofit received it, that ends the chain of custody. Mm. And then what the nonprofit does when they sign for it, it allows us to provide a donation receipt on their behalf to our customer. And it does things if the IRS ever came and said like, how on earth are you guys writing off a million dollars in food donations this year? Now our customers literally have this ledger that all they have to do is just roll it up, print it out and say, this is this is how. And this is all of our donations. These are all of our donation receipts and everything matches up. So you've
0: got clients like the Atlanta airport, yeah. which is huge. Yeah. Uh, Coca-Cola, Turner, what what did I see?
1: Yeah, Turner, GWCC, uh, Chick-fil-A, Papa John's.
0: These are enormous outfits. So how do you scale down to smaller restaurants or can they use your services?
1: They're gonna be able to use our new SaaS product that we're rolling out in the fall. And what it does is it allows them to measure their food waste streams in many ways. If they're sending stuff to compost, if they're sending things to animal feed, or if they're using their own means to get food donated to different nonprofit organizations, they're able to see analytics, like what are the things that are going to waste the most?
0: Tell me more about that.
1: That's the cool thing I think about Gooder, and So there are like a ton of nonprofits that, for the most part are trying to do like gleaning and getting food to people in need. But we believe that you can't manage what you don't measure. And so it's like people will say, well, last year we donated 60,000 pounds of food to Feeding America. And I'll say of what? Like, of what food? Because Mm -hmm. if it's 60,000 pounds of bread, there's no shortage of bread that is going to people that are hungry in this country. And I always, my dad will say, like, you need to get with Panera because they give their bread away every day. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. dad, everybody gives their bread away. Mm -hmm. Like, we're trying to get people meals. There's a really big difference between access to food in this country and access to meals. And I always ask people to put yourselves in the place of people that are hungry and homelessness. And you're not going to want bread every day. Like, it's just not what you want. You don't want, like, I, I love hashtag lunch bag and these other organizations, but it's like to think that people want to have a sandwich seven days a week for every single meal, it's not right to think that way. And that's why... I started feeding people how I was and doing these dining Mm. with dignity. And I mean, I would get hugs and see grown men crying all the time. Like, thank you so much. I tell you, I haven't had fish in six years. I Mm. haven't had this. And yeah, there's people that maybe are experiencing homelessness because of mental health issues or a variety of different reasons. Right. The reality is I still see everybody as a person and I believe that I want to be treated like my next door neighbor. Mm. And That's why I really want to give food to people. And so it's important for these businesses to be able to track what it is that they're donating, but also what it is that on a constant basis, they're always wasting. And I always use Einstein's bagels Mm -hmm. as an example. When we first started working with them, they were wasting about three to 400 bagels every night. Mm. And then they started using our platform and then we got them down to like 40 to 60. And people will say, well, you're giving them all these analytics. You're going to put yourself out of business. And the reality is, no, we won't because they always need to use our data and this platform to make sure that they're not overproducing.
0: Yeah. And, and then,
1: you know... And the
0: tax benefits.
1: The tax benefits are great. Yeah. And then the the reality is that you're doing something that's so good, that's got to mm-hmm. feel priceless. And I've seen it really boost, like, employee morale. A lot of people don't think about the employees that work in the food service industry are not the highest paid employees in the world. You know, this is not the healthcare industry. They're mm-hmm. not doctors and nurses and making a really great salary. A lot of them are making... Eight to ten dollars an hour, and so you have employees who are often worrying about when or where their next meal is coming from, and you're making them throw away perfectly good food. Mm-hmm. And when we were first getting started, I would talk to a lot of employees during that discovery phase, and they would be like, "Yeah, man, I hate throwing that food away. I need that food in my house." Mm-hmm. And, and I've met people, and they'll be like, "Yeah, I work at the airport. I work for Delaware North." I'm like, "Oh, that's one of our customers. I'm with Gooder," and they're like, "Oh my God, I love Gooder!" Like that really just makes me feel so special because it's like to see the employees that are like, this is my favorite, my favorite part of the night is no longer just when I'm clocking out, but it's when I'm doing good or like when I'm packaging this food and seeing you guys come and get it and knowing that it's going to people in need, it just makes my entire shift worth it.
0: I feel like there's much more of a consciousness or conscientiousness about how we spend our food or how we spend our money, how we spend our time. So companies like Bombas Mm -hmm. and um, Tom's and I think Warby Parker, where they give back and people want to, people want to contribute in whatever way they possibly can. So, you know, I'm wondering from, from a a individual perspective, how do we contribute? How do we help?
1: I think it's exciting. So next year in 2020, for the first time, 55% of the workforce will be millennials. And so what you're seeing is these people that are in the range of anywhere from 42 and below are controlling the spending habits now. So Like within the next 10 or 15 years, I'll probably be controlling how my parents are spending. I'll probably be making sure that they're paying their bills on time. And I want to support, 91% of millennials want to support businesses that are doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. So we're just still waiting for that tipping point right now to where... You could go in and ask the restaurant that you eat at with your husband and your kids and say, what do you guys do with your excess food at the end of the night? And mm-hmm. if that restaurant, they're like, oh, it's a fear, a liability thing. We can't donate it. You could say, absolutely not. Like there's this company called Gooder and they handle all of that for you. One of the things we're trying to do now is we're partnering with Yelp, hopefully, where you'll be able to know which restaurants do Gooder. So mm. it'll be designated yes. on the website. So now you could just go and support them Jasmine, you're businesses. so smart. You are so smart. <laughs> Oh, thank you. So you can go and support businesses that are are doing the right thing and just send people our way. And soon, which I would hope will be this fall, we are going to initiate like a one-time pickup on our website so while the app does all this inventory and data management there are so many people are like my wedding has all this Mm, extra food mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. I'm here at this corporate event and we have all this extra food so these aren't clients that are already signed up in our system but giving them the ability just to order a pickup and make a donation and we could get them back a donation receipt which includes the cost of our pickup Mm -hmm. they can write that off as well so that's where we're trying to go just getting everyday people people just more cognizant and I laugh because a lot of people <laughs> that I'm friends with they are like oh my god every time I go out to eat now or anytime I'm somewhere I'm just thinking about yeah. you and what how you're do doing. how do you turn it off you know it's like you tough. probably see it everywhere even it's in your tough. own home Yeah, in my own home, I get really upset with myself because I travel a lot, as you know, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times I'll just have food when I come back. But the number one thing that people could do in their household is use their garbage disposal. I think that's something we all forget about. We think the garbage disposal is just like after we wash our dishes and there's stuff in there. But if there's small things in your refrigerator that you would otherwise put in the trash, you can actually just dispose of them so that it doesn't go on landfill. So that's something Mm. that I try and do. Oh, that's so good. Just use my garbage disposal every now and then um you can compost animal feed
0: what are your thoughts on compost availability because i i mean i live in downtown atlanta and compost now does not serve my zip code
1: really i don't
0: think so i i put it in maybe i'll try it again try but again. it seems weird but i would love to do that we do that at my work office so i yeah. work for salesforce which is a big technology do they use company. compost now oh, yeah i know Erica. it is like I the most lot of people over most there. left you know, company least, yeah. um, as, as conscientious we're working with as it possible. Too. So
1: we did Salesforce's Christmas party. Oh, that's great. So Yeah. Yes. We're going to try and keep it going. We're going to keep yeah. it going. And we did a big, um, a big event with them during hurricane Harvey with Salesforce and um, Rubicon.
0: This will actually be broadcast on Salesforce radio, by the way. Oh, cool.
1: Well, yeah. Salesforce, you guys got it going. I mean, your CEO gets it, you know, yes. um, I love what he's thinking about in San Francisco and, I love I mean your your offices in San Francisco are insane, first yeah. of all. But just to kind of see the one percent in the is it Ona Ohana. 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 It means family. The family, <laughs> the whole the giving. It's just it's amazing. Yeah. Um I was
0: like trying to combat homelessness in yeah. San Francisco. Like he literally took it on and changed laws in yeah. California. I am here for Christian. San Francisco, yeah. I
1: was there for Google Cloud conference um in the spring and I mean that was my first time seeing sales Salesforce's actual building but then just kind of reading about what they were doing was just like okay I'm a fan of it composting is like hey I'm a fan of composting as long as you're not composting food that's edible that's my only thing Mm -hmm. I think too often um food will just get composted that's still good and even I mean I know David and Paul and I know the people that compost now and they'll tell me these things like yeah man we've seen perfectly like trays of chicken from colleges or whoever Mm -hmm. just and it's all in the compost bin and it's like that's the stuff that bothers me Mm -hmm. um but I do think composting is going to be more readily available in cities like Atlanta I'm actually personally working on food policy and trying to help there be more organics recycling Mm -hmm. initiatives in the city but also like food donation Policies similar to like France and Italy, where businesses are actually fined and a lot of money when they don't donate food to people in need. And I think they should, because it's like if you don't yeah. want to do the right thing, cool. You know, it's almost like you don't wear your seatbelt, you're going to get a ticket for that, and there's a fine for that. You don't. You know, yes. go this speed limit, you're going to get a ticket for that. And that's a fine for that. And France is kind of like, hey, you don't do the right thing and give your food to people in need, fine, you're going to get a fine for that. Mm-hmm. And it's like $4,500. So to a business, if you get too many of those in a year, that really yeah. starts to hit at your bottom line. Mm-hmm. How, who
0: do you serve? Who is your actual customer? Because it sounds like you're doing a lot of things socially mm-hmm. through the climate change, through, yeah. you know, through a lot of areas. But who do you view as your customer?
1: I definitely view the business that's donating the food as the customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, at scale, I envision Gooder is like a food waste management company and handles all food waste so that we can go to a place like Cheesecake Factory or any restaurant that you could think of and say, we'll handle all of your food waste because that's 90 percent of what's actually going into a trash can Mm -hmm. at a restaurant is food. And so we want to be able to say, we'll take everything that's non edible and we can help you figure out another way to get rid of that, whether that's anaerobic digestion, compost, animal feed, you know, bringing in different partners to handle that. Or we'll take everything that's edible and we'll get it to people in need. So we have just a one-stop solution. And I ultimately view the restaurants, the businesses that are donating as our customers. And I think that they should view us as a waste management company because the reality is they're always paying somebody to get rid of this food. So it's always going to be waste management republic solid Mm -hmm. you're going to pay somebody to throw away perfectly good food you might as well pay gooder yeah to to make a better use of it
0: and you know i want to talk for a second about food deserts and Mm -hmm. how this affects it so food deserts are let me see if i can explain this right you could probably do a better job than i i can i'm gonna let you take a
1: all right let me take a step. let's do that
0: so a food desert is a place that does not have a grocery store or viable food products Mm -hmm. or fresh produce nearby and usually that happens in lower income or maybe rural areas so you know that's an issue especially when you're combating not only hunger um and even education of people you know children who are hungry what is it like what what was the statistic for children 1 in 6 in the one United States 1 in 6 are yeah. hungry Yeah, and if they're hungry they're not learning exactly. they're not getting proper education I
1: speak about that all the time I always Their say the brains like,
0: aren't properly forming so how what how does
1: it all work together for It's a vicious cycle first yeah. of all and it's really sad and it disproportionately affects people that are poor and I think that's one thing that we just don't talk about and What we try and do often in America is we do things like we have free breakfast and lunch at schools. And I mean, I just saw like in the city of Atlanta, all 77 schools that are managed by APS free breakfast and free mm-hmm. lunch for all students and i think that's amazing but what we don't realize is that we are actually causing kids to still play catch up right for every single time that they get free breakfast and free lunch at school that's great but if that kid goes home and they're not eating dinner or they're mm-hmm. not eating on the weekend what happens is when they come into school the breakfast is replacing the dinner that they didn't get the lunch replaces the breakfast and so then you have kids that are sitting in class and they're often wondering when and where their next meal is going to be coming from and no teacher could teach through hunger. And then what you start to see on the back end is schools and states are looking at third grade test scores, fifth grade test scores, Mm -hmm. eighth grade testing scores. And they're saying, oh, this kid is not reading at their grade level. This kid is a behavioral problem. And they start to say 90% of this class is going to graduate. These 10 students aren't going to graduate. And things like the number of prisons that we're going to need, how many prison beds we're going to need are being based off of these scores when the root cause of it is that these kids don't have food. And so Mm -hmm. it's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. And food deserts continue to really make me really upset because a lot of food deserts will be in places that are being heavily gentrified. And so you're bringing in, you know, really nice homes, million dollar homes that are going to sprout up in these areas. And then the grocery store that comes to these former food deserts is a Whole Foods. Mm
0: -hmm. And I look
1: at, you know, Pont City Market is a prime example that that area in Atlanta for years, Boulevard Pines and Bedford Pines and Boulevard Homes, like years ago, this area was Really, much a food desert, and the only grocery store that they had access to was the Kroger on Point City Market, which has been mm-hmm. closed now for some time. And people that are food insecure can't afford a Whole Foods, so in reality, they still are living in a food desert because they're still going to places like the corner stores, yeah, the Family Dollars, so the like Dollar General, boxed,
0: boxed, you know, shelf mashed stables, potatoes, yeah, or whatever. shelf stable yeah.
1: items, very fruit, fresh fruits and vegetables. So yeah, I mean, it's a That's why Gooder, we're launching a foundation. And a lot of our foundation is going to be about teaching people how to make healthy meals out of fresh fruits and vegetables that we're able to get them. Mm. A lot of times we'll get, you know, really good food. I always laugh. The funniest story I've seen with Gooder so far is. One day we had a a big food recovery from Turner and we took it to Atlanta Mission. And I just wanted to see the whole experience because, you know, this is early on when I was first getting started and we had like this asparagus salad and we were trying to give it to this guy. And he's like, y'all are trying to kill me. And I was like, no, sir, I want you to try it. It's asparagus. He had never had it before. Mm. So many people have only had fruits and vegetables, fruit that comes in a cup and vegetables that come in a can Mm -hmm. and so when you're trying to give someone brussels sprouts or kale or all the things that i like love right yeah so many people haven't had that so we want to make sure that we're providing recipe cards that we're actually exposing people to better foods and we're bringing those foods to them
0: and that's interesting that you're starting a foundation because i was wondering why you chose gooder as a technology company and not a nonprofit. yeah i mean and it looks like you'll have both
1: yeah definitely i'll have a foundation Um, I was in the nonprofit realm for a long time and I just knew that if we were a nonprofit, I would constantly be worried about fundraising. It would always be about, I need Mm -hmm. donations. I need donations to run the business. And I just wanted to really, solve the problem and Mm -hmm. to really do that i needed money and i needed capital and i felt like i had a very clear value proposition on why businesses would pay me to do this and all it really took was for one business to pay me to do it and that then it was like okay everyone can pay because businesses i'm a woman i'm a minority um there's tax credits that they get just for doing business with female-owned businesses and then Like I said, they're already paying to throw the food away. Like that was the big eye opener for me. It's kind of like, what are they doing with this food now? Oh, wait, they're paying someone to throw it away here. I'm going to come in and they could pay me to divert it from landfill. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was like, we don't need to be a nonprofit, but the foundation will allow us to do more education and more of like our pop-up grocery stores, things of that nature. Like I'm the kind of person, like I just want to feed people. I want to give people food. I like to, I'll still go and check on, you know, people underneath the bridges that I fed in and parks that I fed in. I know people still from, from the days when I was doing that. And it's just like, I don't want to forget those people. Mm. And the only way to really be able to do it with the foundation is with the foundation. Cause I can't just spend company money to go and still host a, a pop-up grocery store, I need to make sure it all makes sense. And I'm
0: I'm wondering, you probably, it's been, it has to feel like a whirlwind for you to do this all in two years and the TED Talk and the notoriety and the funding yeah. and all these things are just so exciting. What has been some unexpected experiences that you've been able, you know, some really amazing moments that you've been experiencing as a result of Gooder? Yeah, that you did not yeah, there's expect so
1: many. Yeah, there's so many. I think the TED Talk is like the first one, you mm-hmm. know, it was just kind of like first of all, I was really afraid to be a public speaker for years. Like I had to teach myself. Mm-hmm. I had to pretend to be a rapper. And that's how I like what? Yeah, that's that's how I started that's public awesome. speaking like in the mirror like <laughs> listening to the songs. And I was like, "You know what? Maybe this can help me." So the TED Talk I think was like the pinnacle moment for me um i just remember how proud my dad was because he loves ted talks and he watches them all the time and he was like i'm not gonna miss it for the world you tell me when it's gonna be and you know he came in and i do believe like when i gave that ted talk and i said like this is what i'm gonna do it was early on i mean when mm-hmm. i gave the ted talk it was early on and good or like way before the app was even built but i was like this is this is my idea and this is my vision Um, So the TED Talk was a big one. Most recently I was in Cannes, uh, France with the United Nations and World Food Program. I'm speaking at United Nations next Tuesday. That's, those kind of things are just wow to me. Like I probably would have never thought I would ever speak at United Nations Mm. about Gooder and about this opportunity. I probably would have never thought I would be in France, you know, (laughs) with the World Food Program talking about good or and the work I'm doing in the United States and I'll be in Germany um, in a few weeks still again talking about good or so I think the the opportunity to just share not only the good but what have been the struggles about how hard it's been to fundraise mm-hmm. and how hard it is to get people to just believe in in you and then really what keeps me up at night and those kind of things like getting an opportunity just to share the gospel, the good and the bad
0: yeah. And you are in a position not only as as CEO and an entrepreneur, but you are a leader, you know. And I'm wondering, for people who are looking at problems that seem so insurmountable, Mm -hmm. um, but don't know, but feel like they can help, but not sure where to start, what advice would you give those people?
1: Yeah, I mean, I... My grandmother used to say, plan your work and then work your plan. And that's really what I would do. Like, I just would get started. And so it's like, make a plan, write down some steps and things that you need to take.
0: Stick figures. Yeah,
1: stick figures. Mm -hmm. And then you get started. Like, that's the biggest thing. Like, you just have to plan it and then you have to get started. It just, it will never happen without you starting and that's the thing so i told you that in the beginning a lot of people have great ideas and then they lack the execution on mm-hmm. kind of getting it done and i know that because i was one of those people i probably have had a hundred gooders in my mind since a young child like you know thousands of good ideas but it's just kind of like that would be so cool and then like so many people be like i thought of that i can't tell you i get a mm-hmm. hundred emails of a month I thought of something just like Gooder. I'm so happy to see somebody finally did it because we all have these ideas in our heads, but we just don't see them through. And that's the thing. Now I just, I encourage people around me. I mean, I've got my little sister who's about to start a business. I'm asking my dad, like, what's going on in the hospital? What's a problem you could be solving? Like, I I think wow, like that Wow, you think now. like that. Yeah, because it's kind of like, I believe now that everything can be done. Do it
0: again. Yeah, yeah, do it
1: again. Like, who knows if Gooder will be my last company or my my first of 100
0: it's funny because I'm more of an executor than I am of a planner.
1: Really? See? And <laughs> so you're, I'm the you're person that will go. <laughs> that need, is needed on the team. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and that is my other question too of how can people support your mission?
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, we're going to be hiring. Um, so you could do you join the team. Do you have volunteers?
0: Is it hiring? What do you yeah. need? What do you are need as a business?
1: For, um, we're going to be looking for more funding soon. We are going to be bringing on um, a head of engineering and a VP of sales And when we launch our foundation, we're going to definitely need volunteers to help with more of our pop-up grocery stores, uh, more of our education teaching. And we're also looking for more nonprofits. I mean, right now, we definitely are in a state of there's a lot more need than there is supply. Mm. But we still need people to tell their companies about Gooder. Like, hey, listen. If you have a one-time event, I don't care if it's just your holiday party, Gooder could come in and make sure that there's no food that's going to waste. We're doing that for Google. Um, we're start, we're d- doing our festivals this year, so we're going to be at Austin City Limits. Mm. So we're starting to really expand into these other niche markets and make sure that just no food goes to waste from these events. So no matter what it is that you're doing, if there's food involved, Gooder can be involved.
0: I could tell there's a fire in your belly over yeah, this too. It's
1: exciting. Yeah,
0: it sure is. What is next for you? Where where do you see Gooder going?
1: Next, I just see Gooder expanding into multiple markets. Because you're
0: uh, in Los Angeles and Atlanta.
1: Yeah, right now. Philadelphia, right? Chicago, okay. Washington wow. DC, and Miami. Unbelievable. Yeah. So it's a so I definitely see us getting into more markets. I'm really um, my personal challenge to myself is rural communities. Most uh, about three weeks ago, the hunger statistics came out, like the hungriest states. And I looked at them and it was like Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Kentucky, West Virginia, um, New Mexico, Oklahoma. And it's just like, wow, like I've got to I'm never going to reach and really solve hunger if I don't go to the places that are the hungriest. Mm -hmm. And so like my personal mission is like, how can I replicate a model of something that I've done really well in a big urban city in a rural community? Mm. And that's like the the next focus for me is like oh, what does it that. take to to have Gooder in Birmingham and to have Gooder in Little Rock, Arkansas, and making sure that like food is going to people in those communities, but then also in the places around them. And so that's the the big challenge. That I wonder I'm if you solve. can.
0: I wonder if you can measure the impact that it's making. Yeah do you do you have statistics on or analytics? We have on? all
1: of that. That's the wow. that's why it's a tech company. So we know. Every single day, how many pounds of food we recover? How many nonprofits we receive receive the food? How many meals are provided? We get testimonials mm. and stuff back from the nonprofits. So, yeah,
0: what's been a testimonial that stands out for you?
1: The biggest one I always bring up is Super Bowl. We were a partner with the NFL this year, one of their uh, food diversion partners, and Radio Row. We recovered like seven boxes of twelve ounce filet mignons, never had been opened or used and they were delivered to the Veterans Empowerment Organization. And the chef started to cry because he was like, y'all just don't know I was trying to feed the vets a steak dinner for mm-hmm. Valentine's Day. And here Gooder comes with 12 boxes of 12 ounce filet mignon. And for free to this chef that his his goal is to feed veterans that had served our country a steak dinner for Valentine's mm. Day. And I'm sure the whole time he's wondering, where am I going to get these steaks from? How is this going to happen? And then Gooder just shows up and boom, the steak dinner is handled. And so that came back to me. I wasn't even physically there, but that came back to me from one of our do-gooders. And they were like, yeah, man, the chef was crying. He was so happy. Those are the stories that just kind of matter that's the most awesome. to me how so do that's, people that's my favorite one
0: how do people find you
1: yeah gooder.co uh, is our website and Cause we're, gooder.com
0: is something completely different
1: completely different <laughs> but gooder.co is completely better um so gooder.co <laughs> is where you want to go and we're gooder Co on social media and then I'm Jasmine crow on everything.
0: Well, thank you, Jasmine. You no, are a culture so changer. Much. I'm so impressed.
1: I'm so happy to be here. And yes. I appreciate you for reaching out to me and bringing me in.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Happy to help way anyway, I can. Thank you. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Jasmine Crow of Gooder. She was so inspiring and impressive, wasn't she? I hope you'll ask the restaurants you frequent about Gooder's food waste management services. I've linked her info in the show notes and certainly hope you follow her rise. She is amazing. In the meantime, I truly hope you'll not only subscribe, but leave a review and continue sharing these episodes with Little Left of Center. I'm also looking for sponsors for future episodes, so please hit me up. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.